is Get Lively with Casey Miles. And John Long. I'm the opinions editor at The Technique, and I'm filling in for Bailey Friedman this week. Um, I think she's still binging Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. This podcast is brought to you by The Technique, our on-campus newspaper, as well as Rec Radio, who has partnered with us to bring tech students, quality entertainment, and the freshest, dankest news. Today we're talking about the undergraduate SGA elections, which run through the end of this week and potentially next week when we have runoffs. Uh, The Technique hosted a debate between all four tickets on Tuesday this week. In case you missed it, we're here to break down what we heard and what we thought about the different candidates and their platforms. Yeah, so to start, we're just going to run through each candidate. Um, There are four tickets this year, which is a lot in the grand scheme of things. Usually you only have two or three. Um, The tickets are Carson Silbert and Francis Yang, Pooja Juvakar and Haig Engel, Vatsan Rampakrash and John Butler, and Jimmy Force Smo and Shashir Bandi. So I guess just to start, we'll talk about Carson and Francis. They're one of the SGA tickets. He's pretty much like a cookie-cutter SGA ticket. They're both serving on the current executive cabinet, and most of their issues align with past platforms that we've seen from SGA candidates. Yeah, it seems um, kind of like a a status quo platform. A lot of their stuff is um, building off of initiatives that SGA has already already doing, and they're just kind of building off of general campus sentiment about things like arts and mental health and stuff like that, which is nice to see, but at a certain point is just stating the obvious, I think. Yeah, at the same time, I think that's something that definitely came up at the debate. Uh, They were asked about the mini-masters they put in their platform, which aren't being implemented by them, but actually by Haig. So it's kind of awkward that they're putting something in their platform that another candidate is already currently implementing. And so I think that's something to look at. Um, I think their answers are pretty like cut and dry, not nothing too off the cuff, but they're still pretty good candidates. Yeah, a lot of their platform was generally, we're going to advocate for this, or we're going to promote this, which is kind of a nebulous thing to say, but at the same time, it's kind of difficult to make these tangible promises. And then once you get into office, realize, well, I don't know if we'll actually be able to do this, but... Um, in general, since SGA does kind of exist to advocate for student issues, I think it's good for them to lay out the kind of things that they will approach administration about and kind of fight for when the student body has different ideas than the administration on certain issues. Yeah, I feel like they're kind of being real- realistic in that regard and that they're advocating. Um, the next candidates we're going to talk about are also trying to be realistic. That's Pooja and Haig. They have specifically stated that they're trying to be realistic with their goals. They are both SGA people as well, and I believe both are serving in executive cabinet currently. So that's just another kind of like cut and paste of Carson and Francis, but they have differences. I think Pooja and Haig are very similar to Evan and I last year in terms of like, oh, we want to have specific actionable items that we can like follow through with. And their platform seems very similar to what Evan and I had last year. Yeah, their platform had, I noticed, more tangible aspects than um, Carson and Francis's platform, which made it a little riskier, I feel like, because those are things that people will be able to say, hey, they did this or hey, they didn't do that very concretely. But at the same time, it makes, I think, voters a little more confident that they actually have a plan moving forward as opposed to, hey, this sounds good. Let's just say that we support this. Yeah, I think Pooja and Haig are a little bit like the only real difference between them and Francis and Carson is that they are being like, oh, yeah, we have these actionable items. And I think people have to look at what Evan and Io did this year to see if that's a realistic expectation of SGA. I know Evan and I have done a few things, but at the same time, a lot of those actionable items are outside of what SGA can actually do. And while they claim they are being realistic in what they can do, 
they even at the debate had a question about an international student career fair and how like is that really feasible and they're like well we looked into it and it's not really that feasible but we could do these other things that are feasible instead so i think a lot of what they have to do is their research like they have to look into the issues more and see what sga can specifically do on those issues yeah and i feel like that was good evidence that if students take the time to kind of dig deep into these platform points that they have and realize that it's maybe not something feasible for sga to do um it's nice for them to be proactive about it and say, hey, we realize this part of our platform isn't isn't doable, isn't very feasible, so here is what we've done instead. Because their answer to that question, they did have something prepared. They, they did have a sort of remedy to the issue that they ran into. And so it would have been nice for them to have been forthright about that. Because, I mean, if if nobody's going to ask about particular points on their platforms, then there could be all kinds of stuff like that that students don't know about and just assume are going to happen. Yeah. And so moving forward, our next campaign ticket is Watson and John. And so this is an interesting ticket. This is the current joint VP of finance and a less experienced member of SGA and a UHR rep is what John is, I believe, currently. Right now, Watson and John probably have, out of all of the SGA candidates, the most controversial platform in terms of the things that they want to accomplish and the, the issues they're looking at. A lot of the platform itself reads as more adversarial with respect to the Institute. They kind of play them off as the bad guy charging students a ton of money and fees that they have to pay every year, and these students really aren't seeing the benefit of these fees. And that really comes out when they're talking about stuff like dining, like under the couch, and a lot of other issues that students have talked about this year in terms of wanting change in. Yeah, something I thought was interesting about their campaign was they always use this term grassroots campaign, which I know is kind of a buzzword in politics. But um, they kind of built this off of, hey, we're not a Greek ticket, because I feel like a lot of people on campus only really hear about SGA and specifically elections um, during election time when they see these names plastered outside of Greek housing. Because, I mean, I know the last handful of the executive tickets that won have been Greek. And so I feel like running as a Greek ticket, you automatically have a block of voters that no matter what are going to go out and vote for you, even if they weren't necessarily going to vote before, just because they know you, they're friends with you. And I think they built their platform more off of interest groups on campus. Like I know they have the endorsement of the Musicians Network, and they've been kind of courting several other groups because, because like I said earlier, if SGA's goal, or one of their goals rather, is to advocate for students on campus, it's nice for them to have a variety of different campus groups behind them and that know that the, the president, vice president, investigator are going to listen to them, um, especially when it comes to advocating for things like space for under the couch and stuff like that. So I thought that was definitely an interesting way to go about um, getting votes that you wouldn't necessarily get automatically by being a Greek ticket. Yeah, I think that's just going to be an uphill battle, though, because as you said, the Greek vote is a lot of the vote. Um, at the same time, I think Watson at the debate, um, John wasn't able to make it, unfortunately, due to a delayed flight, but Watson was pretty well-spoken. Uh, he did sort of sound like his platform in that he was very adversarial and very like aggressive in the way he was speaking, but at the same time, of the three like current SGA members' tickets, he had the most unique sort of presentation at the debate, um, but at the same time, I feel... Uh, he has other issues that are we can talk about in a little bit after we finish this summary, I guess, um, that are going to haunt him. Moving on, next we have the final ticket, which is an interesting ticket. It's Jimmy Forsman and Shashir Bandi. 
Uh, their entire platform is that they will veto every single bill in UHR until the student council ratio in the counseling center is 501. Um, they have no SGA experience. And so, yeah, that's pretty much my summary of them. Yeah, I feel like when they came out with their platform, their website was just basically one big meme. And I feel like that in the debate, they were pretty well spoken. They seemed intelligent, but just the fact that they delegitimized themselves so much, they just took away any chance that they would be viable candidates. Um, and I feel like with SGA, it's, I mean, people outside of it can say, hey, they're not from SGA. Like maybe, maybe you know, they'll listen to other students. But at the end of the day, SGA is kind of a game you have to know how to play because the executives of SGA need to know what makes it smoothly, how to pass bills, how to deal with campus groups, etc. And so coming in with no SGA experience, I feel like is a real hindrance in that arena because you have so much to learn. And by the, the time the year's over, you may just be getting into a position where you can actually try to enact your platform, even though their platform seems to just be sabotage everything SGA does until this one aspect is resolved. Mm-hmm. And I think if they really knew how SGA ran, their platform would be different. Because honestly, all their platform says is that they have no idea how SGA runs. Because if they do that first, the house is just going to override their veto every single time and it's not going to matter. Like the money is still going to go through. And even if they didn't, they would just be harming student orgs because they wouldn't be giving them the money that the student orgs so desperately need and are asking SGA for. So I feel like their platform really didn't help. And as you said, like they sort of memed themselves from the beginning. And then at the debate, they. They came off as very well-spoken and brought up like legitimate issues that every college campus in the country could be facing. But when you delegitimize yourself like that, you're sort of just saying, like, oh, yeah, this is just for fun kind of thing. We don't really expect to win. Yeah, I think their tagline was big dreams, dank memes, which, I mean, it's, it's funny and probably plays pretty well at Georgia Tech. But when dealing with such a financially powerful group like SGA, I feel like there has to be some kind of decorum that goes along with that. Okay, so now that we've talked about all four of the candidates, I think we can move into like more specifics about who we think would be best. I know you're going to leave a little bit of your personal opinion out just because we have to do consensus and you're the one writing that um, later this week. But I think to start, we can sort of address the elephant in the room that was at the debate and here currently is that um, Watson, his campaign kind of has a dark cloud looming over it in terms of a lot of events that have gone on, specifically with Watson himself making inconsiderate comments to other candidates or trying to cover up after the fact. So do you have any thoughts on that itself? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of the job of SGA president, especially when it involves with dealing with campus organizations that may kind of have a contentious relationship with SGA because of funding issues and stuff like that, you kind of have to have a certain type of demeanor to be able to deal with that. And I feel like based off of his account of the story, um, I mean, that's definitely kind of an iffy thing to say that he would be able to kind of handle a job like that. I do think that given the fact that all of that drama kind of hit the fans, so to speak, the day before the debate and he still showed up, he still he he was very well spoken. Um, I, I kind of commend him for that. And that showed a certain level of maturity and responsibility. But I feel like there is just so much bad and the good can't really outweigh that. Yeah, he did display some maturity, but then you remember the day before where the immaturity was showing, and so I think that's kind of like, he even said it himself in the comment, like, after this one event occurred, like, it's really been 
a lost cause trying to save my campaign. And so I think we can sort of look and see that it's probably going to come down between Carson and Francis and Pooja and Haig. And I think the thing there that's going to happen is we're definitely going to have a runoff because I don't think either of them is going to grab a large enough portion of the vote to really run away with it. And then at that point, it's really going to come down to who people see as like, oh, they're more legitimate in terms of SGA because Pooja and Haig are saying, oh, we've done all these things in SGA. We can continue to do these things. We will do these things. We will accomplish these specific actions, whereas Carson and Francis are being realistic about advocating. And so it's sort of two different ideas about what you would want in your SGA. Do you want the people who are going to talk to the president all the time and be like, yes, we need this for students? Or do you want the people who are going to be like nagging the president, like, hey, we need this done, like we are going to get this done, that kind of thing? Yeah, and I know I said previously that a big job of SGA is to advocate for the student body uh, when it comes to you know issues with administration and stuff like that. Um, but another one of their big roles is essentially as a giant coin purse for campus organizations. And uh, that coin purse needs to have a majority vote to be opened to anything. And so I think um, this kind of goes back to the whole like knowledge of how the system works thing. I think it's going to come down to who we think will be able to run SGA the smoothest and not necessarily who has the best platform ideas on paper. Just because, like we mentioned earlier, a lot of these things either won't come to fruition or are things that SGA is already working on and will probably continue with or without a particular candidate. And so you really have to look at what their SGA experience is and how that would relate to their new role as kind of the gatekeeper of this big coin purse. And one of the questions that was asked to each candidate was, what have your accomplishments been on SGA? And I think going down the line, obviously excluding uh, Jimmy and Shashir, just because they don't, they haven't been on SGA, um, they all sound like they're pretty qualified to do the job. I mean, being in SGA for four years, I think you'd get a pretty good idea of how that's run. But I think a lot of it also was just, hey, I've been on SGA while this happened. I've been on SGA while this happened without really saying, I personally did this, I personally did that, which I feel like being kind of a group thing, SGA can't really be about individual achievement. So yeah, I don't really know where I was going with that, yeah. but I think it can end there reasonably. I, I agree, and I think that anybody who knows SGA knows that they love their committees and that a lot of this just comes down to a group of people. And at the end of the day, the executive cabinet is going to be the one deciding most of the actions that occur, and the president and vice president are just two people in that executive cabinet. They will appoint the rest, but... I'm guessing that the same thing is going to happen regardless of who gets elected between those two candidates. So at the end of the day, you know, why do we care? <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, it's kind of a lighthearted way of looking at it, but at the same time, I think I think it'd be hard to point at tangible differences between the last four at least executive tickets just because they all have their, you know, passion projects and the things that they campaigned on, but at the end of the day, they essentially just do the same job. The most they can do really is advocate for the student body. At the end of the day, most of those decisions, especially when it comes to stuff like dining and housing and stuff like that, will fall on administration and the Board of Regents, which end up being financial decisions that really, when it comes down to, can we save money at the expense of certain aspects of the student experience, they'll pick money every time. And I think it would be interesting if this race was happening in a vacuum, right? And you didn't have this big controversy surrounding Boston's campaign. It would be interesting to see two Greek tickets 
one ticket that's kind of building support from student groups and one just kind of outside ticket, how that would actually play out. Just because, like I said, we have had like majority Greek tickets in the past. So it would be interesting to see how far a non-Greek ticket could go, really. Mm-hmm. And anyone who wants to see that should go to elections.godtech.edu to vote. As we said earlier, voting ends Friday, March 29th. And uh, we thank you for joining us. Check out our April Fool's issue coming out Friday the 29th. In addition to the April Fool's stories, we also cover the SGA elections, the Hoser concert, and the Michael Lemonick lecture. Yeah, tune in next week for more fresh, dank news, and hopefully Bailey Friedman will be back in my place. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. And if you have opinions about current events, let us know by tweeting us at NeekPod or emailing podcast at Neek.net. If you're interested in writing for the technique or sending a letter to the editor, email us at opinions at Neek.net, and I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. To support the technique, pick up a fresh copy of our newspaper every Friday and tune into Rec Radio at 91.1 FM. To hear more news, tune in on Mondays at 6 p.m. for Battleground. Thanks for listening. See, See you, you next time. time. See you next time. We say that together. We say, we say that together. The see you next time. It's purple because you know. Oh, f- I, I'm colorblind. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> Restart. <laughs>